Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. If you are struggling to make change in your life, or you're depressed or anxious, or you're feeling like you've had the same conflict over and over and over, why not try online access to therapy? BetterHelp is available around the globe, and it's vetted, licensed counselors. It's a perfect time to try therapy from your couch in the privacy of your own home. And if you really want to help out this show, you can go to betterhelp.com slash helpmebeme and get 10% off your first month of therapy. Help Me Be Me is self-help for people who hate self-help, hosted by me, Sarah May. What I talk about on this show is my personal opinion, and it's not a substitute for professional help. I'm not a licensed therapist, and this is based on the tools I use in my own life. Take what helps and leave the rest. If you're really suffering, call 911 or your local emergency services. Hi friends, it's Sarah May, and this is an episode all about self-dialoguing. Basically, how to do some self-work in a journal. Maybe you are trying to work on some problems or process some problems, or you're just trying to create a new way of being in your life. A journal is a great way to do that. So if you haven't ever been a journaling type of person, or you just don't even know where to start, this is kind of a a how-to guide. And this is based on my personal journaling practices. So take what helps and leave the rest. Um, I personally used to hate the idea of journaling. I just couldn't get into it. It didn't appeal to me to write physically. That just felt awkward. So know that if that sounds like you, it doesn't always have to be like that. It just means it's going to feel a little awkward at the beginning. But because journaling is using your handwriting, it has a direct, I don't know what to call it, channel into your subconscious. There's something about it that's way more effective than typing. So I strongly encourage you to give it a shot. Um, it's also a way for us to have feedback with our own subconscious. So it's, it, it evolves wherever you're stuck in your life. It can push you to move through it faster. So it's almost like we're encouraging a mental digestion process. Um, and I know that for myself, not having been a person that liked journaling, it can be kind of confusing or stunting to look at a blank page in a journal just because you don't really know exactly what to write about, especially if nothing's flowing. 
So this is an episode to get you started on the process of self-dialoguing. It's just ways to work through things. And I'm also going to suggest like what to even work through. And know that if you are hesitant to take on a journaling practice, it's not something you have to do every single day. I mean, I encourage you to do it if you're trying to get your brain to be in a more positive setting, just as your baseline. But it shouldn't be a chore. It shouldn't be something that you're you're like, oh, I have to fucking journal again. It's it's something that you should look forward to and or it should be like a, a resource or a respite, like something that you're like relieved to open. So that is eventually how you will feel about it. As with any, with any new habit, it kind of gets, you know, setting up the muscle memory deliberately for it to, to feel natural. Just like when you start exercising after not having exercised for a really long time, it'll feel like, oh my God, a push-up is impossible. So just know that that's a short amount of time before you get in the rhythm. And I think it's a great way to jumpstart any change you want to get in your life. So if it's changing your perspective toward the positive, journaling is just a great place to train in thought habits and especially a focus on the positive. So as I mentioned, I use my journal as a place to reinforce positive things like celebrate things that I want to hold on to and reinforce in my life. And I also use it as a place to work on struggles and work through them. So I usually journal a few every few days or so. I like to journal at the end of the day with a glass of wine. And um, it's really helpful when, when I'm moving through something that is something that I don't want to look at or a feeling that really bugs me, like makes me want to avoid it, like something that makes me resist it or, or something that I'm obsessing about in a negative way. Um, for example, like a conflict with somebody or someone that uh, is – an external situation that's causing me a lot of anxiety or worry. So it can be kind of like the whiteboard for the meeting room that is my mind. So let's say that sounds like you. Any of these things I brought up sound like you. This is the process I am going to invite you to do. Um, so in this episode, there are three parts, but they are broken into the three, I would call them chapters or, or headings of ways to journal. So it's not a what, why, and how. And um, the first one, if you have a journal, I would say is uh, really important to cover off on regardless of what state you're in in your life. And that is setting goals. Just setting the goal for the self-work you are doing right now in your life. And I would just literally title the first page in that journal goals for self-work. And on that list are going to go things that are not necessarily like the stuff you want to have. I mean, you can if you want, but this is really about how do you want to feel and what do you want to let go of in your life? I like to highlight and make giant illustrative uh, headings in my journal personally. Also, I use a moleskin, I guess it's a four by or five by eight I'm so bad with spatial stuff I'm gonna put a link to the journal I use just because I think it's a great proportion and it's um I just think it's a nice welcoming um grid paper look I mean there's something about it that just feels like it's the perfect size for me personally um if you are shopping for a journal right now it also has like a nice little sleeve in the back if you have things like memorabilia you want to hold on to so as I said the first 
chapter in this journal is just setting goals. So you might have to write down like, I want to stop talking shit about myself. I want to feel good about myself being solo. I want to be proud of who I am. I want to be more confident. I want to uh, get rid of my eating disorder. I don't know. Any, any and all things in your life that you're working towards, big or small, just write them all on that first page. And I encourage you to also write down anything that comes up later that you want to add to it because this is an evolving document. I, I like to leave like an extra 10 pages after that just because I know I'm going to add stuff to it later on. All right. Second chapter in this episode, processing. This is a huge thing to work through in your journal. I think of it like almost like a, a math notebook in that you're using it to solve things that are challenging you. So you're going to be writing any number of answers to things that are haunting you. But in just very basic terms, what this looks like, what processing looks like in your journal is here is the insurmountable problem. Here is what upsets me to no end about this insurmountable problem. Here is what I cannot possibly solve for about this insurmountable problem. And here is what I know I must do. That part is, is for much later on in your processing. Here's what I know I must do that I am taking steps to realize right now. And then much, 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 much later in the process, you will be writing about, please give me the strength to do this. And by that, I mean, please, global sense of please, please anything, please anybody, please me, please nobody, please. It doesn't have to be addressed to like God or anything like that. I'm going to go into more depth on journaling prompts in particular, but that's just like the top line of how processing works. It's you're moving through stages um, of advancing yourself toward an eventual outcome. Because we all kind of know deep down when we're resisting something, we some part of us knows we're resisting it because we already know the answer and we don't like it. So we're like, no, nah, I can't, I can't. There's no, there just is no answer. There just is no answer because we can't think of it yet. We're just, it's, it feels impossible. So this is a way for us to get to the impossible. Just the tiniest bit at a time by acting as if by writing as if. So I'm going to go through particular prompts for the different types of uh, things you might need to process or move through. Um, and these are just, these are really big, overarching, broad topics. Because when you are able to try and work through a negative feeling and just see your own negative thoughts on paper, you, you can become more grounded because they are externalized. They're not influencing you subconsciously and they're not therefore taking on as much power. They're not as ambiguous. They just are. They're kind of silly often and they're kind of irrational. And when they come out on the paper, you're like, well, that was the thought and then now it's out of me. And you don't have to feel so guided by it or resistant to it. So it, it allows us to lose a little bit of the obsession that might be happening. And I would say just know that if you are going through any kind of obsession or fear or worry, that is normal. That's actually completely logical because change by default is highly turbulent. It causes a lot of conflict and fear and ambiguity. And therefore it's, you know, it's by default uncertain. So it takes 
digestion of all kinds, unconscious and also conscious, to allow us to get comfortable with it, reflect on it, and choose what is the best outcome for ourselves. And when you can confront the dilemmas in your life, you can actually be active in that processing and, and move through in an empowered way versus getting derailed and hiding from the problem or hiding from the change. It's often we feel like it's a problem when in fact it just is, you know, it's the fear that makes us feel like it's bad, but often it's, it just is, it's not bad. It just is different and it feels scary because it's different. So if you are curious about if there's something that you need to process, I mean, you probably don't. If there's nothing that's coming to mind, you probably don't. If you are looking for something to process, I would ask, what are any recurring loops or conflicts that you have in your life? And if you see a pattern of kind of a, a dead end you keep hitting, that would be something you can start to ideate around. Just like, what is this loop here to tell me? What is this self that keeps ending up in this feeling need, to, need me to hear? That's just a starting point. All right, with that, here are three different, uh, I would call them struggles, topical struggles for you to process in your journal. The first one is any obsession and worry. When you're really worried, it's really, it can be a relief just to brain dump all the irrational feelings, just train of thought, everything that's going through your mind. Because when you can do that, they stop pestering you so much and they're just, you can see them, they're externalized. When you are when you're externalizing a problem, I think it's also really helpful to write as if you're in a conversation with yourself. So for me, a consistent prompt is, am I grasping at something? Am I fixating on something? Or as I said before, what is this feeling here to show me? What does this self need me to hear? And then you can write a response to that, just a long list of possible things that might be coming up. Often what is beneath worry or a needy thought loop is an old childlike feeling of fear or powerlessness. It's what we're doing when we worry is we're trying to control. We're trying to get grounded. We're constantly checking for security, trying to find the thing that will make us feel okay or safe. And when we can identify that underlying emotion, it's it, you know, the obsession is the process of trying to ground, of trying to resist and control. The underlying emotion is something that's very soft and squishy and totally, I don't know, digestible. It's way more easy to move through and release that feeling when you can identify it as just a sad feeling or just a scared feeling or just a feeling of powerlessness. Usually what it is, is a voice that's saying, I don't want to have to do this. I'm sad to do this, whatever the thing is. I don't like not having power. It's, you can think about it like a tiny baby voice, like, I don't want to have no power. That's my baby voice. And when the, the good part about being able to go into this is that then it goes away. It's released. You can feel the feeling and it's very, sometimes intense and, you, and then it goes away. And then you just, you've moved through it. it it's like a cloud that can pass. And... Often when we are resisting that, it's because some part of us thinks it's too much because maybe at some point in our life, it was too much to deal with that. But from this place as an adult, 
when you are at, you know, holding onto the wheel of your life and, and moving through this, you can help yourself almost like in third person. You can be a support to that self that maybe inside emotionally hasn't quite grown up yet. So this is a process of self-healing that I think allows us to grow up or help ourselves grow up in the areas where we got stunted. We can see our, our younger selves and have compassion for those selves. All right, the second topic for working through in your journal, ambivalence. So this is one that drives so many people completely insane, especially if you are a person who has a terrible fear of fucking up. So a lot of people who struggle with ambivalence are perfectionistic and believe that they should not misstep. And that is often because the agony that is caused by missteps is so excruciating that you're like, it's just a fear of that pain because you know you're going to go into, you know, tailspins of just like, oh my God, I can't believe I did this, of replaying it, of like basically beating yourself over the back with, you know, the chain of this experience. So if that sounds like you, if you are a person who ruminates on all of the things you've done wrong, I would say the thing we are often tricked by is that we think what we need to do is be better at making decisions. We think what we need to do is double down on making the right choice. And we spend so much energy just being like, okay, if I think really, really hard, if I weigh all of these different options, then I will not make the wrong choice. And we'll just spend so much more energy and we'll pull all the people in our lives, ask their opinion about like, is this the right choice? If you had to vote, would you vote for this choice or this choice? It's like, take you know, every single decision takes a committee. That, however, is almost reinforcing this mistrust and also this belief that you should not fuck up ever that is a ruse that thought process is a ruse the real problem you have is in the ramifications over you making the wrong choice the belief that you should be perfect and that you are a terrible person if you do not like the outcome and I will say to live your life as a person who has this belief system, you are robbing yourself of so much joy and so much life of just being it, it presence. It, it removes your ability to be present in your decision making. And it also removes um, your just ability to be a regular human being. Like part of what makes us human beings is that we're flawed and we're doing our best. It's, uh, it, it's really like uh, deciding you're going to make yourself into a machine. Versus allow yourself to touch into a gut of some sort of a resource of intuition that we all are gifted with. It just it betrays us and disconnects us from our own innate intuition because we're so head driven. We get stuck in that computer zone versus there is a holistic answer that is right for you that you you can readily access when you're not about to punish the shit out of yourself all the time. So it's really about like befriending yourself and aligning with yourself versus saying like, ooh, I'm going to make me feel so bad if I don't do this right. So I want you to just try that on for size. Ask yourself, am I a person that like really punishes the shit out of myself if I do something, quote, wrong? Because that's the problem. That's the new problem you got to work on, not the decision-making part of it. So just that's food for thought. I want you to try that on for size. 
when it comes to working with ambivalence, this is a, um, I would call it a very rudimentary method for working through it. Because I think, you know, when you're a conscientious, conscientious person, there is often when it's, when there are two strong polar opposite reasons to do something or not to do something, it can be one of those things where you, you feel like, well, I'm, I'm damned if I do and I'm damned if I don't. So you can get to a place where you're like, I, I have no correct course of action. Therefore, I'm just not going to act. And that is also its own decision. To not act is a different decision. But it's not necessarily what we want. So I think this is a way for you to get out of the state of inaction, which in itself is usually a negative version of an action because you're by it's almost like the same thing as ignoring so we don't want we don't want to do that either so as we all do with ambivalence we're going to write two lists of the pros and the cons or the the pros of doing this thing or the cons or the pros of not doing this thing we're just going to see like what are the reasons in both opposite camps and then i want you to just accept there are there's no right answer and that might be because it's not baked yet, because you literally have not decided yet, or that might be because there is no correct answer. When it comes to things that are neck and neck, when we can look at and accept that there is no correct answer, that is its own, that's its own gift in many ways, because it just is, you know? I feel like most people are are so frustrated with ambivalence because they feel like there is no right answer and they cannot win. However, I would say it's the opposite. There's no wrong answer. When we feel like we are going to punish ourselves or we're going to have a lot of remorse over what we choose, it's because we have a secret belief that we should be able to win always or that we should be able to control the world or control others or make everybody happy. But that is also one of the false perfectionistic beliefs that hurts us and removes our active participation and joy in our lives. It keeps us holding on to this fear state and also I am all powerful weird belief system which is very unhealthy and it's not true. So I would say there's no wrong answer and know that you as a person are overly considerate, overly conscious. You overthink things. You do not underthink things. So just hold on to that. I did my best and I thought all these things through. Therefore, there is no wrong answer because there's no right answer either. And that just is the end. And if you have any slight inclination, just like if you were to blink your eyes, you know, and squint and, and you'd have to point at one answer, that's the one you're going to go with. Like, well, it's kind of more advantageous to act now. So I'm going to go with the, the left column. Whatever choice you make, the thought process of um, this is this just is, it's not bad or good, it just is, and it's not my fault because there is no correct answer. That's all all you will ever have. And, and I think the number one thing we have to do is really just accept that and accept that we are still good people, even if other people are upset, even if things go get messy in the outcome, we have to, from the get, agree to love and respect ourselves no matter what. The thought process that we are to blame for not being able to control the world is the problem, not the decision itself. All right. Hope that was helpful. Um, 
I mean, I think with ambivalence, there's always one that's slightly writer. And if we can choose the thing that's slightly writer, it's still, that's, it's better than inaction. All right, the third topic in processing is confronting a problem. So this is a way to look at and I guess start to move through something that feels impossible, something that feels very, very difficult or inconvenient to confront. It's almost like having a friend who really knows you inside out and knows your suffering. And I think it's just therapeutic to have your feelings and, and the truth exist somewhere something that you don't want to talk about with anybody else it's something you don't want anyone else to know almost that you can't even acknowledge to yourself for it to exist in black and white is extremely therapeutic because it's it exists it's there it helps you to move through it because it's outside of you so I would say things to write about if you are in a, a stage of um what do they call it pre uh, I forgot what they call this thing who cares I mean there's a therapeutic term for it before the stage of action consideration contemplation contemplation that's it so you're in a contemplation stage so what you're going to do is you're going to write first bullet first prompt the problem or the problem zone whatever it is the the topic that is causing you pain and it doesn't mean that all of this is going to lead to an eventual forced change it's just a place to process a feeling that's kind of like irking you. It's nudging you. It's in the back of your mind. It's kind of like, eh, I don't know if I like this thing. So let's say, for example, it's my partner. It helps just to write down the feelings you're having about this thing. So next we're going to write all of the feelings that are coming up because of this thing. And I think what's really important is just being able to say them. Even if you have conflicting feelings, just being able to say them means you actually mean it versus they're just like things you want to push away from your subconscious. Um, and then next, what we want to do is write the two opposite sides of the situation. Often what we do when we have a conflict is we blame ourselves for it or we think um, it's all or nothing or we think we're stupid for having that problem. So when we can write about the valid reasons for having this problem, I think it allows us to forgive ourselves. So the first thing I want you to journal on is what are the valid reasons for having this problem? Like what is my positive motive behind staying the same, this situation staying the same? So off the top of my head, that would be, it's the devil I know. I have less financial instability. I am not lonely. I am... Uh, not stressed about having major change, etc. Next, what I want you to write about is what are the positive reasons for changing? So what would be better about change? What would change look like in my life? So for example, that might be, I will respect myself more. I will not have to have uh, fear every time I walk in the room. I can improve my self-esteem and other things will come as a result of that. For example, I'll have more friends, I'll get a better job, etc. And then last, I want to invite you to write on what do I ultimately choose to do? And this is about stating to yourself an ultimate goal, an eventual goal. And it will be hard to say this, but it's not something you're going to do today. It's something you kind of already know you're going to work toward at your own pace. And now this sounds really 
difficult. I mean, sorry, it sounds very small, but it's actually very difficult when you're trying, when you don't want to confront something. It, it can feel like it's impossible. So if you're not ready to do that step yet, don't worry about it. I think what's helpful about, as with ambivalence, when you can write about a problem in this way, it's, it's just it, you're able to see why you're not changing. Because when we're not taking action, it's because, in truth, we don't want to. So this helps you just see that for what it is versus beating yourself up about it, you know, why am I not fucking doing it? What's wrong with me? I'm stupid. I'm broken. Whatever it is. Like, no, maybe it's because you really actually don't want to yet. You're not ready to yet because you don't have the courage quite yet. But we're working toward that. And ultimately, you're going to do blank. Also, a caveat, just this whole section on processing is not, you know, me encouraging you to wallow or embellish embellish upon what is wrong in your life. It's just a way for you to move out of a stage that is bad for you or release a negative feeling versus resisting it and then, you know, avoiding it and then it holding on to you somehow. So it's, it's a way to quickly process and let go because... If you focus on what's wrong, then you're going to practice feeling bad. So it's not about trying to think of bad things so you can write about them. It's just about moving through things that don't serve you. It's about identifying the change you want to make and then being active in making the change. And I know that suffering can bring up a lot of, you know, it can be a cloud when you're in a state of suffering in your life. Like I always use this metaphor of the leaky boat. If we have one hole in the boat, it's going to bring all of our ourselves down, you know? And like, it can be one relationship. It can be one person that doesn't treat you like you should be treated. It can be like a job that makes you feel shitty about yourself or degraded. That one leak brings down everything else about your life. And it can make you feel like, oh, it's just me. It's just, that's what my life is supposed to be. When in reality, it's just that one person. It's just that one relationship with the bad boundaries, or it's just the job place that's, you know, degrading and this one person that you interact with at work doesn't treat you well. Like that can affect so much about your worldview. So I think one of the key things about working on yourself is like, make sure you're plugging all of the leaks. Nothing should betray you. Nothing should betray your humanity. No one should be disrespecting you. You should not be tolerating bad behavior from anyone, including yourself, unless that is something you have negotiated for the right reasons. And I'm saying that like, for example, if you're a caregiver and you have to take care of somebody and you've chosen to do that in a way that is healthy for you and, and that you can still protect yourself, that's an, ex- an exception. But I would just say when you are in a state of suffering, know that it can make everything in your life feel like it's bad. It can make you feel like this is just life. This is the world. The world is bad. It colors things. It can also make you physically ill, but know that it's not forever, even if it feels like it is forever and never forget you will move through this. This too is temporary. When you're in a challenging time in your life, you are active, you are moving through it and you are growing stronger. We are expanding. Even if it feels like you're falling backwards or you're flailing, these moments too give you depth and compassion for others. So without those times, you will not evolve. Just look at it as life's crunches. You're getting a six pack out of this. Even if you can't see them, they're inside of you. 
in, and they're represented in your depth as a person. So just remember to stay active and just know that I want you to just call to your attention. If you get into a state of unhappiness that is pervasive, like if you feel like the majority of your life has been sent, spent treading water or reacting to a fire constantly or feeling bad about yourself or feeling worried or anxious, your life shouldn't be like that. It shouldn't have to be like that. It doesn't have to be like that. That if you're, I think what happens is we learn helplessness. We think this is just how my life is. It's just personal. This is a personality trait. This is who I am, but it doesn't have to be that way. So know that change starts with the awareness that that is true, that joy is possible as an average state for you. So with that, this is the last chapter of what I would call things to journal about. And that is gratitudes and great milestones. Um, I know you've heard this a bajillion times, but a lot of people, you know, for very good reason, will tell you to journal about gratitudes and positive new insights and experiences. And that is because it helps you to create more of a focus on these things in your life. So in general, if you can record in a paragraph something very positive you experienced that day and three things you're grateful for, that will help you holistically. It'll actually improve your health. The outcomes and research for the positive effects on the body and brain are huge. They're, I mean, highly significant. You, you can heal illness, cardiac issues. I mean, if you're curious, just Google effects of gratitude on health. Like the effects are better sleep, lower levels of inflammation, improved cardiac function. It's like taking meds. It's really good for you. And it's very easy. So that's it. Just three things you're grateful for, one positive experience. And anything that you experience in your life that is something you want to hold on to forever, the first thing I do when I have one of those experiences is I write it down in my journal. Or I put it in a little, on a little, I have a super grat jar. I put it on a little piece of paper and I put it in my jar. And then I like to relive them later on. I think journals are beautiful artifacts to have, and they can also show you how far you've come and remind you of the truth that like you have done a lot of growth in your life. Your trajectory is moving in the right direction. If you can recall like all of the challenges you've overcome and you can see that, that old self working through stuff, you can be like, damn, I'm pretty awesome. I'm pretty mighty. I've moved through a lot of hard shit. And you can also return back to the journal when we inevitably go through lulls in life, just to remember all of the joys and, you know, the, I think one of the greatest things to remember is life as a whole, if you were able to see it, like it was a seed, you know, like an oak seed or a, let's call it a dandelion bulb. If you could see all that it contains, you would see so much beauty and you would also see so much struggle, you know, and that is both, both exist. And that's just something you, you lose sight of when you're in a hard spot. It's like, but there's also lots and lots of beauty that comes with this. Life is a roller coaster. And, you know, they'll go through, we will all go through changes that feel challenging. But on the other side of that is beauty. So before I close, I wanted to um, announce some big news. I am offering now a free chat an hour long chat for anyone who wants to be recorded 
in a session in just an audio form. So basically how this would work is I will record the audio of our conversation. It will live in my library of content. It ultimately will live on Patreon. But if you are a person who does not feel shy about having your story you know, listened to by strangers that might benefit from it, then this sound, this might be the perfect option for you. If you're also, you know, struggling financially, I would recommend checking this out. You can head to yaywithme.com in the shop, and there is an option to apply for the free session. So um, this is not a guarantee that you will, you will be chosen for the session. I just wanted to uh, caveat that if you're interested, you can find it on my website. And I am planning on doing these uh, once a month. So don't worry if you don't get picked for the first one. So before I close, I want to thank my latest sponsors, Leah. Thank you so very much for your very kind donation. And anyone else who has the means, donations really help out this show. If not, I totally get it. I love, love to read the reviews on iTunes and also the comments or hearts on SoundCloud. If you're not in a country that has iTunes and if If not, if you could just share it with someone you think that it could help, that also helps me immensely. So in closing, having a sense of agency is really important when you are suffering. So it's a subtle shift, but if you're struggling, I just want you to keep a focus on the fact that you are active. You are taking actions one after the other, and just don't stop. Really look at yourself as at the wheel of a very strong ship that is moving through intensely choppy waters. Because when we can move through conflict and confront it and look at it and continue doing the next best thing we can think to do to help ourselves, that's when doors open. And they open because we are active, active as buck in trying to find them. So often when we reach dead ends, it's because we just have, we've limited what we believe can help us. We, we shut down to certain answers. We, we protect the pain in this weird way, or, or we think we are the only ones who could possibly know what to do about it. But there is always an answer. And you must believe that there is hope and happiness in your future. Why? Because that is the route to getting there. It starts with the simple openness to that being true. So I'll leave you with an ask that is to say aloud, maybe there is more joy and happiness in my future than I now believe is possible. I send you my love and smile. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. 
Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.